What if I told you there is a cloud accounting ERP system that has over 5 million users worldwide, and this ERP system only has one accounting firm listed in their find an accountant directory for all of North America? I'm guessing you're thinking, it sounds like an opportunity to get new clients and grow your firm. Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, Odoo, later in the episode. I feel like the thing we have learned from all of this is that it's best just to wait until the last minute to do anything because the rules keep changing, right? Like It keeps getting better. You're, that's correct. It keeps getting better <laughs> the longer you wait. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, you, like you said, the um, what the ASCPA is calling these rules unfair, these changes unfair, and are saying that the SBA and Treasury should change this so that it's retroactive and extend the deadline. Today is Sunday, March 7th. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. Blake, another week went by and I'm still not Bitcoin rich. You're not? No. (laughs) Well, it appears that uh, I may have given you the wrong advice on our recent episode when you talked about buying the Bitcoin at the grocery store from the vending machine. You bought $4 of Bitcoin, right? Yes. And then you bought another $10 when we were hanging out together to test the uh, Square mobile app? Well, I think I bought $10 on the Square Cash app and $10 on, or $20 on PayPal. Okay. So, and diversified. I told, <laughs> and I told you, I said, oh, David, you know that means that you're going to have to answer yes on this 1040 question, at the question at the top of the tax form 1040 that requires you to say whether or not you have acquired an interest. And that question was added last year, right? To the tax forms? I think it was for what, for 2019 or um, I, I don't remember exactly, but it's on the 2020 as well, right there at the top. And it says, at any time during 2020, did you receive, sell, send, exchange, or otherwise acquire any financial interest in any virtual currency? And uh, so I assume that'll be there on the 2021 uh, forms as well. And so you'll have to answer yes to that. But then the IRS came out with an FAQ about this saying, no, that if your only transactions involve virtual currency during 2020 and were purchases of virtual currency with real currency, so buying Bitcoin with US dollars, you are not required to answer yes to the Form 1040 question, which is crazy to me because it directly contradicts the question. I mean, unless I'm just totally reading this wrong. If you you acquire a financial interest in a virtual currency, like if you buy Bitcoin with US dollars, is that not acquiring an interest? Well, I I think this is like trying to keep it from hiding taxable income. So in theory, if you buy it, and then I'm going to sell this eventually, I'll have to report the gain. Right. Right. And so that's going to get caught in my taxes normally. But if I sold some service for Bitcoin and that's not being reported, like that'll never show up anywhere. And I think that's what they want people to declare. The taxable stuff. Yeah. I mean, the purpose of the question, I don't know if we actually know what the purpose of the question is according to the people who dreamt it up. But it's it's to trap people, isn't it? Isn't that the whole point? Because if you answer no and you you are aware that you had these transactions then you're perjuring yourself, right? That's a that's a crime. So you have to answer yes, 
or they can trap you that way. You can't say I didn't know. You know, you can't uh, you can't claim ignorance, especially if people were purposely doing things through Bitcoin to avoid paying taxes. Right, right. They're getting paid for services and products. You know, I heard about this because Shihan Chandrasekhar posted this on Twitter and then on his uh, CoinTracker.io blog, and his article is titled "Cryptocurrency Buys Are Not Reportable to the IRS." And I still can't get over the contradiction here. And then Matt Metris on Twitter, in one of these threads about this, where we were talking about it, he said, it's important to remember, there's case law that specifically says a taxpayer can't rely on FAQ as it is not substantial authority. (laughs) So we have a situation where the IRS put out an FAQ that contradicts the question itself. If you rely on the FAQ, but the IRS then says, no, actually, that's not correct, uh, you're still in trouble. So you're better off just saying yes. I, I guess Kurt Mastio in the thread said, this is so frustrating and wrong on many levels. Why even put FAQs out there if it's meaningless at the end of the day? It just creates more confusion for taxpayers. The lack of guidance here is getting increasingly frustrating. So I'm at a loss. I don't know what you're supposed to do, David. Well, I have till next year because I didn't buy any of this in 2020. So so maybe they'll clarify it for you. That. And maybe I'll be super rich and I'll be happy to pay. <laughs> Taxes on my Bitcoin yeah, gains. M- maybe your uh, $10 of Bitcoin will be worth you know, $100,000 because it has gone to the moon and is now worth infinite money. And uh, there's actually a guy on TV, uh, a CEO of some like exchange, Kraken, I think, talking about this. He's talking about how cryptocurrency is going to be worth infinite money or Bitcoin will because it's going to replace the US dollar as the currency we use. And I thought to myself, you know, if that happens, that's great for you. But I think it would mean probably the end of the global economic system. Yeah, there's right? a like, lot of, like the outcome there's a lot would of not- $100 bills running around out there. That, that's pretty <laughs> standard exchange. Yeah. So anyway, good luck with that. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Relay Financial. Do your clients use banks that make it harder for you to close the books? Do they make it harder to deliver financial visibility for clients? I'm guessing you said yes to both these questions. And that's because traditional banks aren't designed for your relationships with your small business clients. Thankfully, Relay Financial is. Relay is FDIC-insured online banking that makes bookkeeping easy. You can access all your clients in a single portal, enjoy rich direct bank feeds to QuickBooks Online and Zero, automate payables with multi-stage approvals, and even spin up a new checking account for clients in seconds right from your browser. To join the thousands of accounting and bookkeeping firms that are standardizing their clients on Relay, check out their partner program at cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash Relay. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash R-E-L-A-Y. What else is new? Uh, we got other federal news, right? So a stimulus package came out. I think the AICPA is pushing, you know, for better guidance and, and deadline changes. That's right. Yeah. The uh, $1.9 trillion stimulus bill passed the Senate on Saturday. It was a more than 24-hour long voting session that included the longest single vote in the chamber's history. I, I'm amazed that the senators like managed to keep going that long. Like, I guess they must have been able to go sleep or something. They're out of leave, yeah. So oh. the the poor intern had to stand there <laughs> and just read it. Oh yeah, because this is because one of the senators required the interns to read the whole text of the bill, which took like nine hours. Right? It's a pretty big bill. 
I, I went through uh, the the summary of it, and I I kind of like I'm 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 a little bleary eyed after doing that. It's there's a lot in here, but I could give you a, a rundown, I guess, of the stuff that's probably the most important to accountants. Yeah, what are clients going to be asking? If I'm a client, either on a personal tax level or a client as a small business owner, like what am I going to be asking my account about? Obviously, there's money. Like that's going to be question. When do I get my money? What money am I getting? <laughs> well, so there's the stimulus checks. Obviously, that's the big thing. Fourteen hundred dollars per person. Phasing out earlier though than the house wanted. So now, starting at seventy-five thousand dollars of income and ending at eighty thousand you're going to phase out that 1400. So if you make more than $80,000 as an individual, you're not getting anything. Interesting that the phase out is so short, like only $5,000 of income and it phases out completely. It's like quite a cliff there. Why even have a phase out? I don't know. Uh, for couples, it's double. So if you make more than 160,000 as a couple, you don't get anything. Children and adult dependents in those households also get payments. So if you have a bunch of children, I guess you could get a lot of money, right? $1,400 per person. There are extended unemployment benefits, so federal unemployment benefits, the supplemental benefit of $300 per week was going to run out March 14th, and as long as the House passes this and Biden signs it, it's now going to extend to September 6th. There's also tax- The thought process on that I think I saw was they don't want to end before they're sure the vaccines will be all fully distributed. Which I think is a fair point. Tax relief on the first $10,200 in unemployment benefits for workers in households earning up to $150,000 per year. That's in the bill. So, unemployment is taxable. This is going to exempt the first $10,200 in benefits for workers under that threshold of $150K. That should hopefully prevent a lot of surprise tax bills. We've got extended COBRA. So, now if you got laid off and you're on COBRA, the uh, continuing health insurance benefit, the government's going to cover 100% of costs for you through September so that you can keep your health insurance. Then there's also extended tax credits and childcare. So, for low-income and middle-income families, the tax credits are going to extend for children. So, we're going to $3,000 from $2,000 for each child aged 6 to 17. Children 5 and under will be eligible for 3600 And tax credits will also be sent to households monthly starting in July. So you're not going to have to wait until filing your tax return to get your tax credits for your children. Now you can just get that every month throughout the year. And how are you getting that? Are you uh, filling out a document for your employer to add it to your paycheck? Is this a check they're going to be sending separately? I, I'm not I'm not sure about that. I, I imagine they'll just be sending a check based on what you did in the past. That would make a lot of sense because that's how they did the stimulus payments, right? So, if you claim the child tax credit last year, they'll just start sending it to you monthly and then you'll reconcile that with your tax return. So, if you're in the, you know, you're, you have a lot of kids, you have low income, you're, you had to do child tax care credit, you could get this could add up to a significant check, ten to fourteen thousand dollars, I think. Yeah, I didn't do the math, but it does seem like it could be a lot. And I've heard discussion about how this is basically the beginning of a universal basic income. Interesting. In that if people are getting paid every month and it's this base amount for children, for low and middle income families, like that could very easily turn into a universal benefit. So 
I, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised ultimately if we end up with something like that. And part of the reason is because of automation and you've got a story about that. We're going to talk about later in the episode about robotic process automation. There's all sorts of manufacturing automation that's already happened in this country. I, as a, as a believer in technology, who has seen the impact of automation on bookkeeping and accounting and also how much is going to happen in the next 10 years, I wouldn't be surprised if we end up automating a lot of the jobs in this country. And then what are you going to end up with? You're going to end up with either a bunch of unemployed people who don't have skills to do the higher level work, you know, and they're going to starve, or you're going to end up giving them a universal basic income. Like I, I think ultimately long-term that is going to happen, but the question is just how soon is that going to happen? And is that the, 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 is that it? Is that the whole stimulus? <laughs> uh, a few more items. There's a bunch of stuff for states and schools and all that stuff, but I'll skip through that to the stuff that uh, matters to our clients. Uh, small businesses. So there's 25 billion for restaurants that have been struggling from lockdowns and closures. And I believe those are grants. There's 1.25 billion for venue operators. So live music operators, they have been shut down, have not been able to be open. Uh, another 15 billion for EIDL loans. And another seven point two five billion for PPP loans, and that's it. So it sounds like the uh, yeah they got it out the door. I guess March fifteenth, March twenty second, I think is the the day they want to officially signed off. Yeah, because they got to go back to the house and get that signed there, or get it voted on there, and then go to the president. But yeah, they'll, hopefully they'll make that March fourteenth deadline when unemployment benefits expire, uh, so that they don't have this gap again that they had. So, did you see that the uh, AICPA is calling um, for the SBA to change the unfair PPP guidance and the deadline? Yes, uh, I, I did. And this actually impacted my family. My, my brother-in-law, he's a jazz bass player. So, you can imagine he hasn't done very well this year yep. or la- last year. You know, it's funny, like, I, I don't talk to him that frequently. And, and it it didn't really even occur to me to ask him about PPP because I figured, you know, he has an accountant. I figured that they would have taken care of it. And I was totally wrong. He didn't even know that he could get a PPP loan. And so actually waiting has helped him because I'm helping him apply for one. And now the rules have changed. The SBA said you can use gross income from your Schedule C instead of net income, which vastly increases the amount of money. I think it doubles the amount of money that he can earn because you know he would he would get money from venues to play gigs and then he would end up paying his buddies so like the net income he actually kept for himself was a lot less than his gross income yes so he's he's going to do really well with that once if we get it processed right if it goes through uh but all the people who f- already took ppp loans that are sole proprietors schedule c folks on net profit the sba is saying it's not retroactive you can't go back and and get more money even though now you could. Isn't that, it, I feel like the thing we have learned from all of this is that it's best just to wait until the last minute to do anything because the rules keep changing, right? Like It keeps getting better. You're, that's correct. It keeps getting better <laughs> the longer you wait. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, you, like you said, the um, what the ASCPA is calling these rules unfair, these changes unfair and are saying that the SBA and Treasury should change this so that it's retroactive and extend the deadline. Because there's no way we're all going to be able to refile our loan applications and get the extra money if if we don't extend it. So, what is it? Two more months or something? They're asking for. Uh, yeah, the deadline's March 31st, but does it say when they asked for it? How long they wanted to? 
extend. I think they want like another two months or something. And that's similar to what they're asking for with the tax deadline too, right? Yeah, I saw they want to push the tax deadline out to June 15th. And I really feel like there's still mixed opinions on that on like text, Twitter, et cetera. People are have strong opinions of this both direct, both sides. Well, it's like the tax season that never ends, right? We're doing it again this year <laughs> from last year. I think people just want it done with. Because a lot of times the deadline is the forcing function that actually gets your clients to get you what you need. So if you extend the deadline, all it does is just make them procrastinate longer. That's one of the arguments there. Makes sense. So that's what the AACPA is is saying this past week. Delay the tax deadline to June 15th. Make the PPP changes fair and also extend that deadline. Uh, and and by the way, you know, for our listeners, if 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 you have friends and family that have Schedule C income and you haven't talked to them about PPP, maybe they didn't know. Maybe they didn't file. Like I thought everybody knew about this thing, but gosh, I found out my own brother-in-law didn't know. So I'm going to help him get a good chunk of money and and especially like if 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 you haven't been communicating with clients, like send that email, make those calls because it could be life-changing at least for the next year or so for people, next few months anyway. Especially, yeah, if people, like you said, like you're a brother-in-law, like if you're in the arts, you're in one of these industries, that there's really been no work, but you're kind of an individual. You don't, you're not really, you know, you, you don't consider yourself a business, mm-hmm. you know, because he probably, he probably doesn't consider himself a business. Right? No, he doesn't. So, not at all. So why would he try to get the PPP loan? He just wouldn't even have guessed it applies to him. So you're right. I think for a lot, it's probably this more. This is probably more of an issue for listeners that have clients that are they just come to them for their personal taxes and they're not really, they don't really think of them as their business clients. Like they're not doing bookkeeping for those clients. It's probably going to be that set of clients that you're just doing personal taxes for. You know, when you're you, when you do their 2020 return, you're going to quickly realize like you never got any PPP loan, have you? And now you can start get that process going. And there's not too much time left because if the deadline doesn't extend, it's the end of this month. So I would I would jump on that for uh, for clients right away. No, that, right away. That's good. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Odoo. Do you have a client that has outgrown QuickBooks or Zero, or do you have a client that is still in QuickBooks Desktop Enterprise Edition because all the current cloud accounting offerings lack the depth of features and controls that your clients need? Or maybe you have a client with legacy desktop ERP system and they are ready to move to the cloud. Let me introduce you to Odoo. Odoo is a highly customizable cloud ERP system with everything your clients need, including dozens of built-in app modules and thousands of third-party apps. By using the Odoo Studio, you can build custom forms, menus, reports, automation workflows, and even your own no-code needed app. The accounting and invoicing modules are always free, so there's no reason not to give Odoo a try today. Head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash Odoo. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash O-D-O-O. Unleash your growth potential with Odoo. You want to, enough with the US? You want to talk about uh, the UK and Europe? Yeah. I, I, I heard there's a bunch of stuff going on over there with uh, acquisitions and fundraising and is that what we're going to talk about? The big three, so FreshBooks, Zero, and QuickBooks, all have news that involve the UK or EU this this week. Um, we can start with the smallest uh, one, which is FreshBooks. So FreshBooks is uh, partnered with an open banking technology provider called Salt Edge, and it's basically to help them expand in the European Union. Salt Edge apparently 
from my from what I can tell, it's very similar to a Plaid style product, right? It allows it allow FreshBooks to connect to five thousand financial institutions in fifty nations. So this is FreshBooks is continuing their push into the UK and to the European Union. So this is a bank feed intermediary. That's correct. It's a middle okay. middle app similar to a Stripe. Yep. Got it. And then you have QuickBooks. QuickBooks launched their a bank account. So so they they launched QuickBooks Cash here in the states. Mm-hmm. That, which is the bank account. It pays 1%. You get your free ACH. And now they've launched a bank account in the UK. Um, it looks like it's just called QuickBooks Business Account. looks like it's the name. It's kind of very vague and generic. But they partnered with a payments as a service fintech called Modular, M-O-D-U-L-R. And essentially, you're going to get all your payments infrastructure all built into your QuickBooks Online. So faster payments. And then it, they, they, they handle all the payments and the rails. They have relations with Visa, MasterCard, et cetera. But then they also, because the Bank of England and the um, the IRS, I'm think I'm blanking out on the name of the oh the UK Revenue Authority. It's like uh, her Majestic, yeah, <laughs> Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs. Is that it? HMRC. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that name. So majestic. So modular. They get to, they're kind of a middleman tech stack that they work between the visas and MasterCards and fast payments, and they connect um, all the way up to the, which is the equivalent of the Fed in England, which is the Bank of England. And so this allows this to be like a real bank account with all the connections somebody would need right from inside of QuickBooks in the UK. So like QuickBooks Cash is going to the UK is the essence of this. Essentially, yes. Yep. All right. And then Zero made a big jump. So Zero spent almost three hundred million dollars to acquire. I would say like it's the T sheets of the EU. They acquired a company called Plan Day. And so what Plan Day allows you to do it's time tracking, right? Mm-hmm. But then they also have um, a lot of uh, planning software, so you plan out your schedules, etc. And they really take it to that next level where if you and I work for the same restaurant, we can like swap our shifts through a mobile app. I can see your schedule. You can see mine. We can message each other. The, yep. um, the restaurant owner can message all the employees of the restaurant. So, so Plan Day is a little bit deeper than just plain old time tracking. But what they have is they, uh, and this is where it's a big play for zero. They have 30, or, sorry, they have 350,000 employee users across Europe mm-hmm. and it's available in 14 languages. So as zero continues to push, um, internationally, it's a big, jump for them. And then the opposite is true. This allows Zero to add an add-on service now in Australia. Like they can push plan plan day in front of their current base as well. And plan day really reminds me of Deputy. Have you, are you familiar with Deputy? Similar color. Yes. Yes. Similar, yeah. yes. The employee scheduling and communication and task management, the punch clock. I mean, I haven't used plan day. I've only used Deputy, but it seems very, very similar. And one thing that's really cool about these kind of apps is that if you put in your employee pay rates, you can see on your schedule how much it's costing you per hour compared to also what you're taking in from your point of sale. So you're connecting your sales data to your payroll data and you can actually get your staffing cost compared to your revenue and you can set goals and targets. So that's really, really powerful because uh, wages are often like the biggest expense of a business these days. Helps you control that cost. That's a controllable cost that if you control it well every single day, you can really inc- improve your margins, right? It's like, and, and employees aren't going to necessarily help you do that. They want to stay 
at the restaurant or at the store as long as possible because that's how they earn their income. So, you know, being able to know when it's time to send somebody home is really powerful. And maybe actually think about the T-Sheets rebranding, right? Because T-Sheets is in the Zero App Store, mm-hmm. just like uh, oh, that's a little awkward. <laughs> HubDocs in the QuickBooks app, right? like HubDocs available yeah, for, yeah. as a QuickBooks right. add-on as well. And, and and when they were sub-branded, it would still be like T-Sheets by QuickBooks or it'd be HubDoc by Zero. But yeah. now that they've completely rebranded T-Sheets to QuickBooks time tracking, like I, I'm kind of wondering, like, is that going to get turned off in the Zero App Marketplace? Because yeah, it, I, I don't th- think they're going <laughs> to lead with the word QuickBooks in their marketplace. But it, I just yeah. went there right now, though. It looks like it's still just branded. It's just the T-Sheets app card, the T-Sheets logo. So, I, And I imagine it's just like whoever's in charge of updating the app card just never got around to it. <laughs> it just hasn't uh, happened yet. Well, um, but it is awkward. It, it is awkward about, you know, like like to have your competitor brand in your own app store. Like, will they allow that? Will that be the end of T-Sheets integrating with Zero or being in the app store anyway? I'm curious. And then the same is going to be true because I'm pretty sure Plan Day is inside the QuickBooks App Store as well. It's a little less awkward when it's HubDoc powered by zero or Plan Day powered by zero. You know, it's not quite as in your face as. Yeah, as long as they keep that branding separate, right? right. But they might, exactly. they, as soon as it tilts or tips the other way, which eventually it may do that. Yeah. The QuickBooks I, App Store is just going too slow. So you can cut this part out. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it just went so, so another update from Zero is they are going to require multi-factor authentication on all accounts globally in the year ahead. That's a big announcement from them, which I think that's a, a reasonable thing to do. It's a good thing to do. Helps f- yeah, enforce. Yeah, it's kind of reasonable. But you see they created their own app, though, called Wait, Zero Verify. Do I have to use this app? It's it, It's not super clear that you have to use it. But it's strongly suggested that you do hmm. because it's, quote unquote, the only app that will have push notifications. So, when somebody does log in, you'll get some sort of push notification to your phone. I, yeah. I, I, I feel like they're, they're solving a problem that we maybe don't need to be solved with this additional app. Because I like to have all of my multi-factor authentication codes in one app that I can back up. So, like... I don't have to go and then recreate all of my codes every time I get a new phone. Like that's the benefit of using like a Google authenticator or something versus a separate app for every single app. I I hope that they give us the option of using LastPass or Google authenticator or whatever else we want to use. Yeah. I don't I installed it, but I'm not, I mean, I don't use zero, but I installed the app just to see what it was like because the screenshots of it, it looks like a typical authenticator app. Mm -hmm. You have each one of your zero files would have their own, uh, ticker go by, which which I think is interesting because it looks like it's a it's it's authentication down to the files, unless that's just like each of your clients and it's really their login. And then the notifications, you can snooze them apparently. So if I have 40 clients and I'm all hooked up, every time another client logs into that file, I don't need to see the notification. But if you can no- if you snooze the notification, what's the point of having the app at all? <laughs> right. Because the, the whole point is you want to be alerted when somebody logs in. So you're like, oh, that's not a valid login. But if you snooze it, you'll miss the invalid logins. So anyway, I, I question the, the benefit of a standalone app like this. It's just another thing to install. I'm not sure it adds any. I don't think the standalone app adds any security level unless Zero's marching down this as part of their um, Zero HQ, right? And starting to get into your full firm management, management of apps, rolling out of apps, 
right? Unless it's mm-hmm. heading down that path like that and that they're not really talking about. Maybe. Hey, you mentioned QuickBooks Cash going to the UK or a bank account. I don't know if that's what they're calling it, but QuickBooks having banking capabilities in the UK. There's another app slash bank called Counting Up that's already in the UK. They're fintech. They just closed a 9.1 million Series A investment led by Framework Venture Partners. And one of the investors participating is Sage. And I believe it was Rachel Fish who sent us this story because she's very on top of anything going on with Sage, having previously uh, worked at Sage. So I, I thought this was interesting. Maybe this is a someday acquisition opportunity for Sage to have that banking plus accounting app. And to make it clear, this is a bank account, a fintech bank account, like uh, the kind you, you know, have a mobile app on your phone you, to use. And it also has bookkeeping features combined with it. So very much a- Which we're seeing a lot of these startups, yes. right? these new neo-fintech banks, they're having some basic level of bookkeeping built into their bank account app. Which makes total sense because if you're starting a business, why would you want to have to go and get a business bank account and then a separate accounting system and connect them together. That's easy for us. We've been doing it for years. It's not easy for a business owner to figure all that out. And if you're a bank and you say, hey, guess what? We have it all in one place. It at least gives you a place to start. That is the news about banking there. What else do we have this week? I have Square, some news on Square again. Okay. Every week, it seems like there's more about Square. So Square, they have purchased Tidal. Now, are you familiar with what Tidal is? You talked about this before, like Square was working with Tidal. They're that music service that Jay-Z started. Yeah. So, essentially, it's like Spotify, but Jay-Z started it. And, yeah. you know, and a lot of it is to revolutionize the way artists get paid, you know, because really like, you know, people like Jay-Z, like they don't want Spotify taking some of that money, right? Like, yeah, they yeah. don't want the record labels taking the money. You, you want to keep as much money as possible. And so, there's some of the motivations behind that is trying to have the different business platform. What's happened now is it's been acquired by Square. Jay-Z is now on the board of directors at Square. So going back to this, like people that we didn't expect to be in our space are going to be in our space. So Jay-Z is on the board of directors at Square now. I did not know that. That is fascinating. He's on the uh, board of directors. And they're envisioning this is going to help artists manage their entire financial life. And so if you think about this, you could have an artist get the Square Bank. They could deposit the royalties or ticket fees straight into that bank. And maybe the payments for those tickets are coming from people right through the cash app directly. Right, mm-hmm. and then if you start taking this to the next level, with um, you've probably heard about these non-fungible uh, tokens. Yes, I just started. That just came on my radar this past week. It's how would you describe? So, so I, so we could take an episode of our podcast and tie it to a blockchain token and put it up for sale, and then we can control how many of those are up for sale, and then every time it go, it's it sells, you and I could get one percent of the sale. And there's only a limited amount that exists, and that's kind of the way it would be. And so, if you think about where you're an artist, you have a song, you're going to publish one million copies of this song, and if it gets sold, and every time it gets sold, in theory, you could get a piece of the action back to you, some royalty off of that, or maybe, maybe, maybe it's all the way to the plays, right? It could be, you know, because right now that's the problem with Spotify, is all the money gets divided across the board. And so, if you sign up and you only listen to these six artists, they're not going to get your your chunk of their your subscription. You're paying for other people's mm. other artists you're not listening to. And a system like this, in theory, 
you're only paying for the music you're listening to, which means that money's only going to the artist that created that music, right? And so with, you know, we think about Square's jump and how deep they are into Bitcoin, et cetera. It's a full ecosystem. And the only other note on this is they wonder, you know, could this, when you build out this model with musicians, can this start to go to other verticals? This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Margin Driver. Designed by top multi-channel e-commerce sellers, Margin Driver transforms financial reporting and accounting in the e-commerce world. Margin Driver is a real-time e-commerce accounting system that automates gross profit accounting, making business easier and more profitable for both you and your clients. By leveraging integrations with leading e-commerce platforms like Shopify, BigCommerce, Channel Advisor, and EcomDash, marketplaces such as Amazon, eBay, Walmart, and Etsy, and shipping solutions like ShipStation, Shipworks, and Amazon FBA, Margin Driver creates the perfect pairing for either QuickBooks or Zero to meet the unique needs of your multi-channel e-commerce clients. Margin Driver's real-time dashboards and reports incorporate it all, including the fees, refunds, shipping, and fulfillment costs, so that your clients can accurately calculate their cost of goods sold and profit, all the way down to the individual order level. This will give you the ability to focus your clients on the best products and pricing strategies that will have the greatest impact on their bottom line. To learn more about Margin Driver and to get a 60-day free trial, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash margin driver. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash M-A-R-G-I-N-D-R-I-V-E-R. So let's talk about RPA and automation. I think there's a tie-in here to NFTs. Wait, is that non-fungible tokens? Yes. And and what we're talking about there, because if you really drill down into what's happening here, non-fungible tokens, blockchain, smart contracts, all that stuff is probably going to automate a lot of work that people are doing manually in Excel at record companies. Think about it. Who cal- calculates how artists get paid right now. I bet you there's an army of people with spreadsheets and computers and software doing all this stuff every month or quarter and, and cutting the checks and sending them out. But theoretically, with smart contracts and tokens like this, you could just automate the whole process and cut out all those financial middlemen. Are you with me there? Yes. So, there was a story in the New York Times, not specifically about the music industry, but just about RPA in general, you saw this, I saw this because Todd Plager sent this to me, and the headline is awesome. <laughs> the robots are coming for fill in accounting. And this is a very high-level New York Times Sunday Read-style article for General America. This is not an article for our industry, right? But the fact that automation and accounting automation is being spoken about at this high, like, here's your mm-hmm. Sunday Read in the New York Times <laughs> – Right. It's not, it's not yeah. us talking about it on the podcast is pretty amazing to me. Well, and the reason is that it has basically gone mainstream in corporate America. There's a stat here about how popular robotic process automation has become. Deloitte did a survey last year and found that nearly eight in 10 corporate executives said they had implemented some form of RPA and another 16% said they plan to do so within three years. And what is happening? What companies are doing this RPA? Um, if you're not in corporate America, working at big businesses, you probably would never have heard of any of these companies. If you listen to the show, you probably have. There are three companies that are dominating this space. There's uh, UiPath, 
a standalone automation firm valued at $35 billion now, slated to go public later this year. There's Automation Anywhere, and then there's also Blue Prism. And these are companies serving Fortune 500 uh, companies like Coca-Cola, Walgreens, etc. Microsoft is starting to get into this game. And basically, the, the article is talking about how companies are using RPA all over the place now to automate a lot of work that white collar college educated employees used to do. And a lot of it involves pushing around numbers in spreadsheets or moving data from one system to another or merging data sets. Um, all these all this work that people have to do regularly and it's repeatable and it's the same kind of thing over and over again, you can build a bot that essentially sits. It's a program that runs on a computer that mimics the um, clicks and the keyboard strokes of a human being. And the software is just smart enough to be able to handle stuff that a, an Excel macro couldn't. So it's it's taking that Excel macro idea to the next level. Uh, and, and companies can save just like, tons and tons of money automating hundreds of thousands of human hours of work. And that's the dark side of this, that the reason companies are doing this is because it's allowing them to lay people off, basically, you know, kind of similar to what happened with offshoring of manufacturing and, and offshoring of services in the 90s, you know, call centers going to India and stuff like that. Well, now it's starting to hit the people who are a little higher up the chain. So, and, and, but, but not, yeah, you're right. It's hitting a white collar. And it reminds you of the kind of the story about the founding of auto entry. You know, when Brennan founded auto entry, he met a girl at a bar or whatever. They were some, some coat friends and they were chatting and she's saying what her job was. She says, I'm an accountant. And, and she basically was just typing bank statements into the accounting system. And he's like, you went to college and that's what you're doing, right? This, yeah, the, yeah. this white collar educated professional and you're just doing nothing but just typing bank statements. And that's kind of the how AutoEntry was created to start scanning those bank statements and put them in the accounting system themselves. So it, you're right. Like Then what, what does that person do? It's either they get laid off or they have to find some other way to provide value, especially at bigger companies. Now, what's interesting about RPA is that, like I said, it's, it's not fundamentally changing the business process. It's just automating the existing process of a company. The clicks. The clicks. Right. Like, like it's actually taking control of the mouse and the keyboard and doing the thing that the person used to do and you train it and it uses a little bit of AI to, you know, deal with when the interface is slightly different or when the windows are not exactly in the same spot on the screen. So it can handle all of those little intricacies that you needed a college educated person to be able to deal with. And, and the reason it's so popular is that it really juices your short-term profits because you can take your existing process, your existing ERP systems. You don't have to do a giant big tech change. You can just implement this RPA and get the people off the computers. <laughs> uh, so it's really popular among executives at big companies because you can immediately save a ton of money on salaries and benefits on this kind of stuff. How fast is it growing? It is expected to rise 20% this year after increasing 12% last year. That's from Gartner's data. McKinsey said that before the pandemic, they expected 37 million U.S. workers to be displaced by automation by 2030. They have recently increased their projection to 45 million. So 2030 is not that far off. Within the decade, um, you know, or within one decade, we're going to see 45 million workers displaced by automation. That's a lot in a country. Well, I wonder if that's yeah, that's U.S. workers. So you know, that's a lot in a country where what we have something like 200. 
something million people working. There's just that many more uh, TikTok creators. We'll see. I doubt that folks listening to this podcast are doing this kind of work. But if you know, if you are, if your job is basically moving data from one system to another, just doing the same kind of spreadsheet formatting and massaging every single month for your corporation, then like get out of that <laughs> as soon as you can. You know, learn to use the RPA. I guess is the best thing that I could I could say. Um, and then you'll 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 still have the job managing the bots. Yeah, be, you figure out how to use it yourself so that way when your company buys it or sell, you know, makes the acquisition yeah. to you and, and signs a contract with these companies. Because an executive of your company, it's an easy sell, right? The sales guy's just going in there, but like, hey, you can get rid of 25% of your staff if you buy this software. The software costs this once and you don't have all the HR headaches and all the other stuff. And so people are going to, the like, executives are going to sign up and pay for this in a heartbeat. Yeah, the ROI is instantaneous pretty much, you know. And if you can, if you can be able to be one of the people that can embrace it and jump ahead on this, um, it makes a big difference. I, I went through this with uh, quality assurance testing. So uh, automation started rolling into that industry, you know, 12 years ago. And it's mm-hmm. very similar, right? You would replace your mouse clicks. And it really like, if you, you'd really figure out how to utilize it to accent you, right? So you could test more, but it would never replace you, right? It's, but you could use it to augment you and make you more effective. Right. Right. Because there's, you would never be able to run the same 300 tests every single day. It would take you a week and a half to do those 300 tests. But now you're running 300 tests every day, which allows you now to do another seven, eight, nine deep tests that you're thinking harder at. You're, you're maybe you're trying to uh, cause some destructive behaviors in a, in a product. Right. And so it, you could utilize this to, to kill some of your mundane tasks that you'd never be able to get through to really open up your freedom to work on. I might say more important stuff, but deeper work, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of work in corporate America that can be automated in this way. And it's not 100%, but 20, 30% of a typical job in like finance or accounting could very easily be automated today. Especially like that that example you gave, um, you know, Brendan Woods from Auto Entry talking with that girl, keying in bank statements. There's still so many businesses where that's how they get the data into the accounting system every day is somebody logs in to online banking and keys in a bunch of transactions or even just downloading the CSV file and importing it. That's something that an RPA bot can do. I've got one more fun story to take us out here today. This is a restaurant in Canada, a burger restaurant in Canada that went viral for renaming items on its menu so that customers can expense them. So if you go online and you look for Good Fortune Burger in Toronto, Ontario, on Uber Eats and DoorDash, you can now buy a burger that is called a basic steel stapler or a mini dry erase whiteboard or a wired earphones with mic or a silicone keyboard cover. (laughs) (laughs) And and some of the copy on this site is great. Um, the listing for the veggie burger says, been working through lunch or dinner, grab this emerald veggie burger disguised as earphones, then expense it to the big man. So the idea is, you know, you get the receipt and it says CPU wireless mouse for $5 and, and then you can uh, expense it through your expense uh, management software and nobody will be the wiser. Uh, so I, I thought that was kind of funny, but I, I feel like uh, it's pretty easy to catch this given that, you know, the restaurant is still called Good Fortune Burger. It, it would work, though, if the restaurant was something like The Office or uh, or Office Supply, 
or something like that, then maybe you could get away with it. Speaking of another fun story, I, I, I want you to cover this before you jump off because I saw it in your notes about um, Excel and marijuana growers. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, this is a story that I subscribed to this financial modeling newsletter and this story was in there and it's really amazing. It's the the headline is indoor marijuana grower keeps strict schedule to maximize output, avoid bottlenecks. And it's all about Chris Ball, the owner of Ball Family Farms in Los Angeles, who cultivates marijuana. And it's all about how Microsoft Excel is the most important tool in his cultivation tool shed. He says, quote, our best friend is that computer program. And he explains in the article about how he depends on Excel to plan and coordinate the seven strains of cannabis that he grows annually in eight grow rooms that can each hold about 60 plants. Here's how it works. Quote, at the beginning of the year, we come together as a team and map out the entire year from start to finish, from January all the way to December 31st. We write out our schedule of when this strain is going to be in this room for this many weeks, this strain in this room for this many weeks. Having all that on an Excel sheet helps us forecast how we're going to operate. We can forecast how many hours of labor we're going to need on said day if we're deleafing, if we're trimming, if we're transplanting, if we're just watering. But we have to forecast it out for the entire year to be as efficient as possible throughout the year and not be wasting money and labor costs, not run into an issue where we're harvesting two or three rooms on the same day. In other words, the reason this is super important that they have to plan all this out is that the different strains have different timing. And so you have to make sure that you have enough people available every day on your workforce to harvest, to do all the different tasks. So if you plant at the wrong time, you might end up with a situation where you have to do all of the rooms in one day. And that's just not possible with the labor you have. So I just thought this was really fascinating. Like cannabis production is really complicated. And there are entrepreneurs out there who are doing really awesome budgeting and in modeling and uh finance stuff in this industry and it's still microsoft excel and it's ex- just, well, yeah yeah it's it continues excel. to save the day well you think about it this is highly specialized right the it, and this is why excel is always going to be super popular because it is completely customizable to whatever your business is somebody would have to go and create a modeling program that can handle all of the different intricacies of what they're doing in their particular operation And that could be really hard. But with Excel, he can build this himself. And he says that at the end, they've color-coded all the different cells in the the schedule. So he can look visually- Different shades of green. (laughs) Different shades of green. I don't know what it is, but he can look and he says it looks like Tetris. So you can see all the different things that are happening on every day and they have the different gaps in. They, They build in some buffer time in case there's an AC repair that needs to happen and that will delay- harvesting. I, I just, I love this article. So it's in uh, marijuana business daily. And again, you could just search for, I bet you could search for marijuana business daily, uh, Excel schedule, and you'll find this story. It's pretty great. They're, they're right there from a competition standpoint regarding podcasts. The marijuana business daily podcast is always like one in they're either one above us, two above us, we're one above them. They're our, our, our nemesis in the, uh, <laughs> the, the cloud accounting or the, uh, podcast charts. That's great. Well, so you can help us beat them, our listeners. You can help us get ahead of Marijuana Daily in the podcast charts by leaving us a review. 
And where can people leave a review? If- so there's two places. Right inside your Apple Podcast app, you can leave a review, the Cloud Accounting Podcast there. Give it five stars, put a little comment, we'll read it on the air. For those of you that are not in the Apple Podcast universe, you can go to podchaser.com. You can write a review there about the Cloud Accounting Podcast, and that'll show up in other apps. And if you want to follow me online, I'm on Twitter, at Blake T. Oliver. How about you, David? Uh, I'm pretty easy to find, just David Leary. One word, and I'm on all the socials. You can find me using that. Until next week, uh, great to see you, David. Hope your kids get back to school soon. Soon, yes. And hopefully soon I'll have a, an office, a recording studio. Yeah, that's right. I said you've got the um, uh, the frame is going up. I have, I have walls. Your- I finally have walls. It's been a, you know, we're, we're, we're eight weeks behind, nine weeks behind. But, you know, that's how it goes when you do construction. Well, uh, you'll have to send me the picture so I can put that on Instagram. Perfect. All right, we'll document the progress now that there's actual walls up. Yes. Uh, Talk to you later. Bye. Time for the classifieds. I quickly wanted to let you know about a new project that I've been working on for the last year or so. I'm launching a podcast network called Accounting Podcast Network. It has new podcasts I know you'll love, like the Accounting Salon Conversations podcast hosted by Amanda Aguilar and the Accounting Automation Workflows podcast, co-hosted by Brian Clare and Heather Satterley. Head over to accountingpodcastnetwork.com. That's accountingpodcastnetwork.com. With new tech coming out from around the world each day, how do you filter out the noise and find the best tech for your firm? Launch for Accountants is a tech discovery platform made for accounting firm owners. Here are just a few of the most popular launches from the month of January. A web-based tool for building narratives around your 10 key tapes, a PPP forgiveness utility, and a financial modeling platform that integrates with your entire cloud stack. To learn more, sign up for the weekly newsletter at launchfa.com. Looking to radically increase productivity as a QuickBooks Pro Advisor? Instead of juggling a tech stack with your practice, you can now track and manage your workflow, communicate with clients, and manage files all in one single, powerful, yet amazingly simple platform, ClientHub. When you leverage ClientHub's all-in-one platform that goes across your team and your clients, magic happens. Ready to start feeling that in your firm? Start your free trial at clienthub.app today. Use promo code CAP25 to receive 25% off your first three months. We have to tell you about a new app on the QuickBooks App Store called Uncat. It has nothing to do with cats. It has everything to do with fixing uncategorized expenses. If you're still exporting spreadsheets of uncategorized expenses from QBO to send to your clients, you need to stop doing that. Uncat notifies your clients about uncategorized expenses and lets them add descriptions and receipts online. You can then assign expenses to the right accounts and everything syncs with QBO so you don't have to copy and paste anything. Uncat is fast and easy for you and your clients so everybody's happier. So ditch the spreadsheets and manual data entry and head over to uncat.com. As a Cloud Accounting Podcast listener, your first client is free. That's www.uncat.com. Want to get the word out about your newsletter, webinar, party, Facebook group, podcast, ebook, job posting, or that fancy Excel macro you just created? Why not let the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast know by running a classified ad? Hit the show notes for the link to get more info.